0: scripture reading today is from Luke chapter 4. Now Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wild. For forty wilderness days and nights he was tested by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when the time was up, he was hungry. The devil, playing on his hunger, gave the first test. Since you are God's child... Command this stone to turn into a loaf of bread. Jesus answered by quoting Deuteronomy, It takes more than bread to really live. For the second test, he led him up and spread out all the kingdoms of the earth on display at once. Then the devil said, They're yours in all their splendor to serve your pleasure. I'm in charge of them all and can turn them over to whomever I wish. Worship me and they're yours. The whole works. Jesus refused, again backing his refusal with Deuteronomy. Worship the Lord your God and only the Lord your God. Serve God with absolute single-heartedness. For the third test, the devil took him up to Jerusalem and put him on top of the temple. He said, if you are God's child, jump. It's written, isn't it, that he has placed you in the care of angels to protect you. They will catch you. You won't so much as stub your toe on a stone. Yes, said Jesus, and it's also written, don't you dare tempt the Lord your God. That completed the testing. The devil retreated temporarily, lying in wait for another opportunity. The word of God for the people of God.
1: Amen all right so let us <clears throat> let's begin with a word of prayer let us pray God we thank you for uh, the gift of gathering the gift of being in a space together in person or through uh, the gift that is technology we know that your body is joined one to another beyond border beyond location but joined together by the spirit and for this we are grateful May that same spirit continue to guide the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts so they are acceptable to you. We pray all this in the name of Christ and all God's people say, amen. Oh, so this is a passage that we get every Lent, right? You begin every Lent with 40 days, you got the temptations. Whenever I hear the temptations, all I actually think about sometimes is the temptations and then music starts going in my head not those temptations obviously right that's the three we get all of this and we we try to figure out what do they all mean there's always parts that jump out at each of us if you're on zoom feel free to put in the chat if you know are there parts that jump out at you um are there any when you hear that uh uh passage anybody here in on in, on, in person are there any things that always strike you every time you hear it feel free to just say it out loud anything I need more people here, apparently, to start uh, nothing. I'll tell you mine then. How about that? And then if you think of something, you can go ahead and yell it out at any time. I always think about a couple of things at the very beginning. One is that the Spirit did it, right? Because you get this part that the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. So it wasn't as even if the devil tricked him to be there. We hear very early that the spirit moved Jesus into the wilderness. It would have been a better story if we would have heard that, well, the devil made him there and then tricked him and did all this stuff. But no, actually, Jesus was led into the space. And the other part that I'm always acutely aware of is that this all happens <clears throat> after Jesus is hungry and that the devil's trying to take advantage of that. I don't know how many of you all are at your best self when you are hungry, but I know I am not, right? You, and they're in our family, you know, growing up, if you have people around you, th- some of us are worse than others. And you'll have to say, have you eaten? Which is the worst thing to say to somebody who hasn't eaten and is grumpy to say, have you eaten? Like, no, I haven't eaten. Why? You're like, ah. right? So I mean, I think you, you know, I, I, I will tell you that um, one of my Sunday things, like I don't eat anything before worship. And generally speaking, it's because I, I still get nervous before getting, you know, doing things and like, and, but I also have like, there's a hangry part of me today. And today, confession, the church heard some swear words this morning, because in my office, I do drink coffee, which I do kind of count as food. But, um, so I'm in the office today, and I put my coffee down on my desk, and I turn, and I do this all over my office floor, there's coffee. And there were a few expletives that came out. I, Jesus would understand, I believe. All over, coffee, if you, are, if you follow me on any of the socials, I, of course, posted a picture of it because that's what we do. But it was like, you know, how did your Sunday begin? And I was like, oh, no. But you could just like, there was a natural, like not pretty reaction to it's, you know, it's just coffee. It was important, but not that important. But it was was like, like this immediate kind of thing, right? Because I think when we're hungry and we're kind of in a grumpy mood, while we would all like to think we can be thoughtful and we kind of have filters and lenses, and sometimes things just come out because your body and your mind are tired and they're craving sustenance. And in some ways that is... Um, not all who you are, but is a very important part of who we are and almost is where your, your integrity really finds its roots and its anchors. And I think sometimes I don't wanna know that maybe sometimes I'm not as anchored or as thoughtful as I would like to be or like people to think I am. So i always think about those two things as we enter this story we enter this temptation series because it's not as if we can easily say well of course jesus was not going to be tempted by these things that the devil was offering and saying hey are you hungry i mean if if well it would be annoying at a certain level but if you're starving i don't know how many of you have, have ever fasted you know there's a moment in the fast where you probably will eat anything that is put in front of you. And then there is this kind of breakthrough that happens and you kind of settle into it. But if you have ever been in a fast, there is a time where you're like, I will gnaw my own fingers off because I'm so hungry. Whatever it is, and you get all of these things. So you get the food, you get, then he's hungry and he says, hey, look, you can have all this power you can do that. Or, um, you know, well, you know, if your are so great, we'll just go ahead and jump off here and we'll see what happens, right? All these things happen. So as we think about this, um, as we think about this passage, I always think about what are those places where we are in that fasting space? Right? We are not fasting as a church. I know there are some congregations that during Lent, they do some fasting traditions. But that is not us. We're not doing that. But yet, does that mean that we don't have places in our lives, in our spirits, in our souls that are in that place of hurt? I think we do. I think we all have places that are tender right now, that are yearning for something more, that are yearning for some kind of sustenance and to be fed And what happens is there's evil in the world or there's forces in the world that will take advantage of that and offer us alternatives in order for us to feel like we are going to satisfy that earning and that urge. I think for many of us, it's probably not an actual hunger. We'll just take the first one. But it's not really a, a, a hunger for the bread itself. But in some ways, we may live in a in a tension between feeling like we have so much that we can't complain um, or having so much that we now feel like we're boastful and this idea that sometimes we're not eating the best in the things that we should do. So that's both literal but also metaphorical. I think sometimes when it comes to our own survival, our own understanding of comfort, our own ways we see ourselves nurturing ourselves, that we sometimes get caught up in this we don't have enough and we have too much battle. We have this scarcity and kind of this, this idea that, that we, we need to keep, we, it, we're gonna lose something if we don't hold onto it. And this kind of abundance where we, we don't wanna sh- be too bold with all of the things we have, that becomes arrogant. And we have this kind of battle. And I think most of us, we sink into um, not wanting to t- talk at all about the abundance we have in our life. I think that becomes a problem for a lot of us because abundance isn't bad abundance is a calling to be different in the world and what happens when we are in scarcity is we we retreat into ourselves so this first one the bread let's just take that for an example again i don't i i know that many of us you on zoom wherever you've probably had times where you're hungry. I don't know all of your stories about your upbringings and all that but i'm sure some of you lived lives that at some point you were hungry um i remember uh, we we remind our kids not as a guilt thing but we remind them that um, there were times in our own family where we couldn't afford like the the field trip extra three dollars when they were in elementary school, and Robin and I were really struggling and trying to not, you know, we qualified for free lunches, and it's not a way to guilt them and say, you know, it used to be, but it's a matter of just remembering from where we came. So many of you may have that experience, but a, a vast majority of us now, that's not like we're not worried about hunger itself, but yet are there things that we are hungering for, and are maybe thinking we don't have enough of and i think in our culture today it is sometimes around wealth sometimes around the things that we have the possessions we have that maybe sometimes we don't think there's enough or that somehow it's going to go away so we got to hold on to it and hoard it and i think part of our struggle these days is that the world seems so unstable so our natural reaction is to hold on to things even tighter as if holding on to things tighter will help the world get any better. So while it might not be our hunger for food, I think sometimes we hunger for things. We hunger for wealth, we hunger for, for, we'll talk a minute about power, but we hunger for the things around us a little bit too much and it is easy to say i will say it's always easy to easy to look at someone else and say well they do that much more than i do so i don't have to worry about me but there's always i promise you there is always somebody looking at you going oh my gosh look how much stuff they have Right? I mean, I know that I do that all the time. I can drive around and look at a house or look at somebody's, what they have, and I'm like, oh my gosh, they, they have so much stuff. But have you seen our garage, right? I mean, I mean you look at the number of things we have these days. So, but I think the thing is that sometimes we believe that we don't have enough and that somehow we're going to starve because we don't have enough. In fact, what we're supposed to do is believe how much we have and in order to, to do that, we, we then give away, we, we help others, we, we express the abundance we have in the world. Because the devil was saying, the evil, however you want to describe it, was saying, feed yourself, you're hungry. Feed yourself, you're starving. And Jesus is saying, that's not all I am. That's not what it's all about. I have enough. God is with me. I have enough. The second piece is, around the body and you know this um around you know the jesus the tempting and the throwing off of the cliff and uh, and all that 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 part of i think sometimes we are scared a little bit we have the scarcity that we're actually not worthy of god's presence in our life that sometimes we rely on ourselves a little bit too much to to get ourselves through things and we're not a people generally theologically that like We're just leaving it to God and then we just kind of let it happen. This is not, we're not that kind of community. Very few of us can really give up that kind of control one. And most of us, I believe we understand that when we say let let go and let God, that doesn't mean then we just sit down and just wait for things to happen, right? God is active and we're doing things. But we can also get to the point where we start to believe that we control what God does. We, get to the, we can get to the point where in our activity with trying to co-create and co-live with God, sometimes we start to believe that we can control who God is and what, who got, what God does in the world. And this testing, it gets to that. That sometimes we do have to just trust that God does things in the world and we deserve that God's love and God's presence in our lives. And that sometimes... God is going to be present when we don't even know it, but it's not about us trying to control God. It's not us trying to say, well, God, if I'll believe that you're in my life, if you do these things, it's simply believing in your core of your soul that you are worthy of God's presence in your life. I think sometimes we don't believe that enough. We have a very, I think sometimes we sell ourselves short in how much we deserve God's presence in our life. Because we automatically go to, well, then God does something, or that means we're testing God, or we're going to rely on God too much, when sometimes all we need to know is that God is with us. So I think when when the devil's testing Jesus to say, well, if you're God so good, well, God will just do this. God's re- or Jesus is rejecting the idea that God is under our control, but not rejecting the idea that God is with us in The struggle and in the things that we do the last thing and i did these out of order for a reason the last thing um, you'll hear me often talk over and over again about the goodness that exists in this particular community that it's not about any in particular person here in this church it's not about any particular pastor you have had in your history up till now but there's a dna here that has lived on through and amongst many generations of people in this place. That there's a DNA of justice and love and faith, and there is this um, kind of this understanding. We, you will hear soon about the new mission statement that you, that you all have gone through, and that there really wasn't anything new in it, right? There really wasn't anything new. Maybe the phrases were different. You know, I preached on in, in January, but it is not mine. There was nothing that was like, oh my gosh, that's not us, right? There was nothing new, which is the worst sales thing, right? Like, oh my gosh, it was really kind of boring. There was nothing new. But because all it was was a reframing of who you have always been and maybe ways, possibilities for who you may become. I saved this last temptation Um, uh, on purpose because it's the one where Jesus shows the world or uh, the devil shows the world to Jesus and says, this is all yours. You just got to bow to me. You can have it all. Look at all that you could do, right? You're pointing out all of the things, probably all of the hurt and the hunger and all that. And you just have to do is bow to me and that's all yours. Now, Jesus says, no, obviously, But not because it is a terrible idea to actually have influence over the world, but because what it's asking of us, asking of Jesus, is to give something up of himself, his integrity, and why he's doing it in order to have authority over the world what we need to do what this community needs to do what churches around the world need to do who believe in a in a god of liberation and a god of love and a god of justice is to not shirk and shrink away from the idea that we can have influence over the world the difference the difference is that it is born out of bowing to evil or bowing to scarcity or bowing to something that is about our own uh, justification or our own wealth, but it is about acknowledging that God is with us and moving with us and that God has called us into this life and into this world of justice and liberation and love. So when you read this, it's not about let's not influence the world. It's not It's let's not influence the world based on and driven by and fed by the things that are evil in the world. What we do, what we hope to do, what we strive to do is to say that Jesus lived in a way, God is with us in a way that says to us, we go out and we share that gospel with the world. I know I sound like a broken record when it comes to this. I know that. And I'm do it on purpose because every church that i go to that i think we we share a common bond and a theological space it grieves me that we are not doing a better job at sharing that with the world that there are versions of the gospel in the world that are based on hate that are about division that tell children and people that are not worthy There are versions of the gospel out there that condone war and violence. There are versions of the gospel that tear each other down. That is not us. So it doesn't matter how hungry we are. It doesn't matter how thirsty we may be. It doesn't matter how grumpy we may be. When the devil comes to us and says, I'll take care of all that if you just bow to me, we say no. But when God says to us, I can feed you, we eat the bread together. When God says, I will lift you up, we trust that God is with us. And when God says, go into the world and influence in ways that are loving and just, then we go. So the temptations may not actually even look very different from the outside, but how we respond to who is calling us into those spaces is very different. We go there not out of scarcity or worrying about our own life or our own survival. We go there because God has given us so much already, and we are fed, we are worthy, and we are loved. So as you find those moments of hunger pangs, as you find those moments of wanting to react with things that are maybe not what God may want us to do, know that those might be natural, those might be where you are, but that is not what God wants of us. We are fed already my friends we are fed already so now let's go into the world let us pray god we thank you for this time and we thank you for this moment as we gather and we continue to be in this space remind us of your calling in our lives and what you have called us to be and do during this time of lent for all this we are grateful and we pray all this in the name of christ